Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romeverse. Steve and Jimmy here with you. And Jim, this week we get to talk about not one, but two Roma victories since the last time we recorded. 4-0 over Servette in the Europa League on Thursday at the Olympico, and then a 4-1 victory yesterday against Cali in Sardinia. So Jim, how are you feeling after uh, after that? I'm feeling pretty good, man. I mean, think about it this way. Uh, if Roma wins matches like 7-0, 4-1, 4-0, one out of every rematches you know at least our goal differential will look pretty great um beyond that though i mean i said this in the last podcast and i stand by it these matches were must wins and i i would never go as far as to say that a match needs to be an emphatic win but in some way i think just in terms of personality uh in terms of moving forward what type of personality this club is going to showcase over the course of the season they needed to be emphatic wins. Uh, one of the things that I've really appreciated about Mourinho's Roma is that compared to prior managers, they've had far less of a glass jaw. So they might lose. You know, there definitely have been some embarrassing losses. The one to uh, Bodo definitely comes to mind, but it didn't derail an entire season for that to happen. And that is a key thing that I think differentiates this Roma from like Fonseca, Di Francesco, from practically most of our recent managers is that there is something that is being built with in terms of mentality that showcases a club that's still willing to fight even if things look more bleak. So, I mean, since since October 1st, Roma has been able to rack up a win against Frosinone, Servette, and Cagliari. And those are expected wins. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they're not appreciated. That's kind of my that's kind of my take. Yeah, you bring up the Bodo debacle, and, and that was embarrassing in itself. Just uh, I, not even two weeks ago, Rome had their own embarrassing defeat this season in in, in this calendar year uh, to Genoa uh, by the score yeah. of four one at the Marassi. And I'm wondering if there's some parallel between the two that maybe they needed that punch in the jaw to kind of really uh, get things straightened out because they had a couple lackluster results early in the year. But they weren't to that extent, right? Dropping those points in the first match of Salernitana, we yeah. we chalked it up to Kandreva having the game of his life, and you know uh, a couple other poor results here and there, um, namely against Hellas, and, and then they lost to Milan. But Milan, you know, is a big club. 
but I'm wondering if this Genoa one, where they just didn't seem to have the effort in that match and, and the, the drive that they've had these past few matches, that kind of sparked them to be like, whoa, we need to get this together. This could go real bad, real fast, giving up four to a Genoa club that's newly promoted. Um, because since then, it was a 2 nothing clean sheet victory against Frozenone that you mentioned that we talked about last week. 4 nothing against Servette. 4-1 against Cagliari. Only goal they gave up was a, was a penalty kick off a handball late in the match. So they've kind of turned it around defensively. Brian Cristante has stepped in very nicely into the, the center of the three-man back line. Um, been crucial with that, without Kambula, without Small, and without Lorente. Three of their five center backs out injured. He's done pretty well. He he was the one that got, you know, the unlucky handball yesterday. But credit to him. Um, I think they're kind of straightening things out there. There were some big performances all around this week. I mean, I guess we have to start with the forwards uh, just because last year we were just kicking ourselves or we were left like wanting to kick ourselves because Roma just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net at times. They only scored 50 goals all season last year. And then I was doing some research today for the the three things we noticed piece. And, you know, I, the first thing I started with was that they, Roma doesn't have a goal scoring problem right now. Um, they're second, not. second in Serie A with 19 goals scored in eight matches, only behind Inter's 21. That's an average of 2.375 goals per league match. And that is a goal better than last season, what they put up for the whole season in the league. It was 1.32 goals per match that they averaged last season with those 50 and 38 games. So that's a big step up, an extra goal a game. I mean, if Roma scored an extra goal a game last season, they're top four, I think, no problem uh, in in many cases in some of those matches that they lost because they lost a lot of close ones. They didn't get really blown out of the water too often in the league. And then you look at the XG, and it's really telling as to how well Belotti and Lukaku are performing so far. Because um, those two have combined for eight legals. It's not even counting the Europa League. This is just Serie A on an XG of 4.3. So they're overperforming by nearly four goals. Last year, Belotti and Abraham combined for an XG of 14.3 over the course of the season and only scored eight combined goals. All of them were Abraham's, of course, because Belotti didn't score a goal in the league. So that is a big change in terms of forward play. And then just overall, Roma last year for the whole season and created an XG of 57.4, only scored 50 goals. This year, they've scored 19 goals on an XG of 12.6. So a big part of that overperformance, so to speak, in terms of XG is the two forwards because they've done nearly four goals better than on their own. But just overall, the club, they're still not creating enough chances in some of these matches, not the last couple, but the ones prior. But Lukaku and Belotti have been ruthless when they've gotten chances. They, they've been finishing their chances and it's been huge. Um, and if it keeps up, I think Roma, if they keep the back line straightened out, they could really start to turn the, the tide for them a bit. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, what is there to say about Romelu Lukaku at this point? I mean, he's one of the best strikers in the world. I don't think that's really up for debate. And his form to start the season has emphasized that with seven goals in eight matches now across all competitions. That's pretty much, if you look at all competitions, that's comparable to Lautaro Martinez. And that's about it and in Serie A and Italian clubs. And I still think that Tammy Abraham has a lot to offer, and I'm going to be very curious to see what happens when he comes back. But to a certain extent, you understand why Chelsea gave up on Abraham, so to speak, when they signed Lukaku, because Lukaku is what you, in essence, want Abraham to be able to become. And... He's the finished article versus someone who was already promising. Let's not besmirch that first season he had with Roma. And he's already won a Champions League. So it's not like he's a slouch. 
But comparatively speaking, in terms of ability and superstardom, Lukaku is where Abraham wants to be. And when we're talking about expected goals versus actual goals, uh, the great ones make chances that nobody should get yeah. turn into goals. That's the difference maker. Um, if you're able to like, and I think that that's kind of was the problem for Roma last season that, you know, for one reason or another, first of all, strikers are on, are such form based players. So it's really hard for them once they start racking up goalless appearances. I think that's half of what happened to Belotti that like, he just didn't score quickly enough. And then he got in his own head. Uh, but having a player come in and score immediately and hit the ground running, uh, this makes Tammy Abraham start his first season in Roma. Like that's the only really comparable first season as a striker coming in and just lighting the place on fire that I can think of for Roma in recent history for a striker because Jaco obviously took some time to gel. Yeah. And then before that, I mean, Roma didn't really have any massive striker purchases in part because of Francesco Totti's, you know, amazingness. Uh, but also because of lack of finances and a million other factors. Uh, in fact, the, the, I don't think Roma's lined up to be competing for the Scudetto, but in terms of being able to hit the ground running, I feel like the two comparisons that you can make are Tammy Abraham joining the club and Batistuta joining the club. They yeah. both hit the ground running uh, once they put on a Giallo Rossi kit. And I didn't really expect that uh, with Luke. I thought that he would have to have some time to gel. I wasn't convinced that he had been training so much this summer, but he's looked like the finished article from day one. And even when he came in as a sub in his first appearance, he looked impressive to me. Uh, but we all, we're going to talk about how great Lukaku is probably for the rest of the season. Uh, I want to give a special shout out, shout out to Belotti simply because I expected absolutely nothing out of him this season. And he's already scored uh, five goals across all competitions. A few There's, assists, too. I think he's got two or three assists also. He's got two assists in Serie A as well. So through nine nine total matches, he's got five goals and two assists. I don't think anybody could have predicted that. I know that you wrote an article heading into the preseason suggesting that this was his chance kind of to make a comeback, to be more like the Gallo um, of the kind of Palermo and peak Torino days. And so far, that's kind of what we've gotten. And I think that a major factor here is that having players like Lukaku, Dybala, having the depth of, of talent and attacking prowess so that a defense has to be thinking about more than one guy who could score and has been scoring, that really helps the goals flow. Um, because if you're spending all your time, for example, I think this is a great example to think about, especially in the context of the Cagliari match, if you're game planning for Lukaku the entire week before the match, you probably have less time to game plan for a guy like Belotti. Uh, and that's kind of the advantage of bringing in any star player. Like a star player will get their own chances. And one of the great things about stars is, as I said, they turn weak chances into goals yeah. um, as forwards. But the other great thing about star forwards is that they create space. Uh, they create a defense that is thinking about one person so exclusively that it becomes a lot easier for other players who might not have that same level of ability, but still do have talent to find the space that they need to make those goals that, you know, maybe are a little bit closer to one expected goal, but still not always easy to make. 
into actual goals. Um, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing when we see Lukaku and Belotti paired together, that Lukaku like just changes the center of gravity on a defense so much that it does allow Belotti to be working more proactively towards scoring goals. And as much as we're obviously going to talk about the fact that Lorenzo Pellegrini and Paolo Dybala are now dealing with injuries yet again, having those two in, in top form provides me with a lot of confidence that coming out of the international break, there'll be good things happening. Uh, I just think that even without, like they're saying Paolo Dybala will be out for two to three weeks, most likely. Same with Lorenzo Pellegrini. Even if they're coming back and not at 100% for the first match after the start of the, um, after the international break, which is going to be, um, I believe, against Monza. Yep. Like with, with Lukaku and Belotti playing so well and looking very convincing, I'm less worried, which is another great side effect of really building out the attacking prowess that, in all honesty, I kind of thought we had going into last season. Uh, I thought that with Zaniolo, with Tammy Abraham healthy, with Belotti, we had built up an attacking core that was, you know, maybe one of the best in Italy. And it was so disappointing to see that not come to fruition last season. It's nice to see, even with Tammy Abraham out, even with Dybala and Pellegrini sometimes struggling with injuries, it's nice to see the attack look like the attack I had been hoping to see last season. Yeah, and I think you you mentioned it too to about Belotti last season. He got off to a slow start, and then the injuries, and it kind of probably got in his own head. Both he and Lukaku start uh, in their first starts of the season scored, and I think that's so crucial for a forward yeah. too, especially a guy like Belotti who's coming off such a miserable season last year that he scored in that first match, um, had the brace, and I think that just gave him all the confidence in the world. And then instead of you know going down. And saying, oh, you know, I went and scored three goals in the first two matches. And then they bring in Lukaku, like, you know, kicking himself, like, you know, moping or anything. He's just kind of embraced the role of of being, you know, spot starter and coming off the bench and punishing defenses off the bench like he did yesterday. And he's just like, he really seems to fit that, like, team player mentality. For a guy who was the captain star of Torino for so long, yeah. he's really embraced the role of being the second striker to Lukaku this season. And he did it last year, too, with, with Abraham, from whatever I saw. He always gave his, his all when he came on. It wasn't that. It, he was just he was having trouble finishing. His confidence was down. But he still was always busting it, right? He, he's been known for that, which is why I thought he was a great signing last preseason. And then things didn't pan out so well. But, you know, the goal he scored yesterday was a really nice goal. He, he did a lot of good work off that ball from Paredes uh, that, that sprung him loose. He had to beat a defender. Then he, you know, there was a little nervy moment where it looked like it might not count. And then VAR upheld it. He stayed on side. But... He's just he's just playing so well, and, and credit to him. And I, I almost forgot I wrote that piece in the summer. I have to promote it a little bit over the uh, the international break to pat myself on the back because I did believe in Belotti, and he he's making me look pretty good there. Um, and Lukaku, like you said, he's a star. And I was in the summer, I was a little skeptical when he was getting linked with Juve and Inter. And there's this whole big, you know, thing going on with the clubs fighting over him and, and all this drama. And I'm like, you know, who wants this guy at this point? Then, you know, when, when he gets linked with Rome, you're like, well, we're not going to get a player of his quality probably elsewhere. So why not give it a shot? And it, it's turning out to be real good. Um, you know, you kind of have to hope that if he keeps this up the rest of the year, you're going to have that 35 million or whatever the buyout clause is that they put into that contract available. Because if he's playing like this, you have to, you have to try to find a way to bring it back. Of course. Um, because he's just transforming the attack. He he really yeah. is. 
And you mentioned the Dybala injury. Pellegrini probably also out for a couple more weeks. I mean, we're going to get to see some of them together more up top. And and they play pretty well off each other from what I've seen for being two really traditional number nines for the most part. I think Belotti is willing to, to do the running um, and play off Lukaku a bit. And, and I think it could be productive even without Dybala or Pellegrini in the um, attack to support Lukaku or Belotti. I think, I think I'm curious to see how well they work together. I think it could be really good. Um, I, I think it's it's a possibility even when everybody's available to play more of a three four one two like I put into the the match preview and maybe play Dybala behind them in some matches. But um, two of them are playing great. A couple other players who stood out, Jim, the wingbacks. You know, last season when we were previewing the season, I know Bren was really hyped about the fullback situation. We finally had two players for each position that seemed to be pretty decent quality. Yada, yada, yada. And last season, they didn't really perform that well. And then they went out and got yeah. Rasmus Christensen this season, uh, in the offseason. And now we saw both Karsdorp and Spinazzola assist a goal yesterday. Um, the, the, call them wingbacks are really traditionally fullbacks if they're playing, you know, in their, their more traditional positions. But they only had, I believe I, I put in the piece today, I think it was seven assists all year last season. And five of those belonged to Spinazzola. Okay. This season, they already have six assists combined in just 10 matches after Selic had two in the Europa League match, two more this past weekend. So, you know, people have been complaining a long time. Roma's fullbacks can't cross the ball in. they got to be able to cross the ball in. Well, Karsdor put a juicy one on right onto Lukaku's chest on uh, Sunday. And, yeah. you know, Spinazzola's wasn't a cross, but it was a nice little little dink pass over the top that sprung Awar in the opener. So I think we're finally starting to see when these guys are on, they can be productive going forward, especially Spinazzola and Karsdorp. Um, Selleck showed a little bit in the Europa League. He's not as attacking as the other two. I mean, Christensen is supposed to have some attacking abilities. Zalewski, mm-hmm. a natural attacker. So for all of their deficiencies at times going, you know, defending sometimes, they are starting to at least prove as wingbacks they can contribute to the attack and set up these goal scores that we have. Yeah, I think that's 100% true. I still have seen enough stinker games from Christensen that I'm not like over the moon with him just yet. Uh, and, but like Karsdorp, we know has quality. Uh, Spinazzola, we know has quality. I think that more than anything else, we're just seeing players round into form. Uh, I think that's a really encouraging thing to see, but at the same time, there aren't that many players on the squad where I'm like, they just don't have the talent necessary. And that was true last season too. Let's be honest. It's just that talent isn't, isn't talent's like 50% of the battle. And especially with the way that Mourinho is set up tactically right now, it's important that the fullbacks are in good form. Uh, Seeing that Lukaku goal was critical. Uh, That was basically, I think, the ideal goal in Mourinho's current setup. Do I think that should be Mourinho's setup forever? I'm not really sure, but at least against the smaller sides now, we know that it's working, which is a relief because starting off this season, it kind of did feel like the wheels were falling off and I'd much rather be in a position where at the very least, we know that matches can be won emphatically against smaller sides uh, than kind of the situation that we had for the first couple of weeks where I was like, wait, can we beat the smaller sides? Can we beat anybody? Um, And obviously we've got the international break through Coop Coop right now. Uh, I don't, 
I'm hoping nobody else gets injured because it's not exactly encouraging to lose Dybala and Pellegrini. But I would say overall that I feel a whole lot better about Roma than I did a week ago. Uh, and a lot of that does come down to how emphatic the wins were against Roma and Cagliari. Granted, I mean, Cagliari is not exactly high in the standings. To put it more bluntly, they're last in the standings. They have two points out of eight matches. Uh, so it's, that is a team that Roma should be beating up on, period. But the fact that they did so emphatically is important. Um, and ditto against Servette. Um, Servette is not a team that should provide a challenge to Roma. And to see Roma have 55% of possession in that match, to see them get 18 shots and seven on target, that's what you want to see when you're playing mm-hmm. a side like that. Uh, the push will come to shove against Inter, um, against Lazio in the next month and a half. I'm interested to see how the Slavia Praha match goes, simply because they've looked quite convincing in their first two matches. Uh, they've scored even more than Roma has. They've scored eight in their first two matches compared to Roma's five. Uh, so we'll see how that match goes. I think that could be an interesting indicator. And Monza, I mean, they haven't looked at so far this. They've looked fine this season. They've got more points than Roma does, but they don't look as interesting to me as they did last season. And we'll see. I, I'm less concerned about that match. Uh, out of the four that we have coming up before, I guess, no early November, uh, I'd say that the Inter and Praha matches are the most interesting to me uh, looking at the schedule. Yeah, for sure. You can't you can't overlook Monza or Lecce before Inter because both of those teams have done some damage. They're both technically ahead of Roma in the table still, right? Um, and Lecce's had you know gotten their the best of some of the the bigger clubs. I, I know Lazio for sure. They got the best of, and they they've been tough. But yeah, that that Sparta Prague match when they when it comes to um, I guess a few days after the international break ends because it's the midweek right after Roma plays. Monza early on Sunday is going to be crucial, I think, to win that group because that's Roma's home match against Sparta. Sparta, you're right, has scored eight goals already. I think they put up six on uh, Sheriff last time out, um, a club that Roma had a tough time with on the road. Now, that one was in Prague. Um, So, you know, a little different dynamic when you don't have to travel all the way to Moldova. But Mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to come down to you might have to take four points off, off Slavia Prague and then take care of business against Sheriff and, and Servette again with uh, the way these other two teams look much weaker than Roma and Slavia. So we'll see how that goes. Definitely Mons is not, I don't think as talented as last season. Um, like you said, less interesting maybe on paper and, and in terms of the players they're, they're throwing out there, but you know, never want to overlook a team like that. They're, they're probably teams in a fight for mid table. Um, Lecce looking a little bit better than the maybe relegation fodder. Some people expect them to be. And then it's Inter. So um, Inter showed they could be vulnerable this weekend. Um, yeah, they they blew a two nothing lead to Bologna, which was shocking. And um, when a team like that's up two nothing, you don't expect them to drop points because they've only conceded um, how many goals all season? Five goals in eight matches. So best defense in the league, right there. Best goal differential, best goal scoring team. Usually a good combination to be first place, and they're actually not now after dropping those two points. Um, they're actually behind Crosstown rivals Milan, who who Roma already lost to. So. I think the thing too, Jim, because Roma lost so many points early in the season to lower half clubs, mid-table clubs, 
it forces them to be even better, at least in the first half of the season, before they could pick up some ground and hopefully pile up points against these smaller clubs a second time through the calendar against the Inters and the Fiorentinas and the Juves and and all the clubs that they're going to be battling for that fourth place spot. I think they're going to have to be a little bit better than maybe they could have gotten away with if they had piled up the points early on. Um, because now they've got ground to make up. But when I look at the table, it's it's even though Roma's in 10th on 11 points, there's still only six points behind Fiorentina and Juve, who are third and fourth. So the opportunity will be there. Roma's just going to have to take advantage. I think winning against Monza and Lecce going into the, the intermatch is going to be big. Uh, get a little momentum, and and then hopefully they could, you know, th- this becomes habitual where they're putting up three, four goals against smaller clubs, and then maybe some of that confidence carries over into the Inter match. Tell you what, when Romelu Lukaku plays against Inter, that's going to be something else. I think I think that'll be a spectacle. It's it's at the San Siro. I'm sure he's not going to get a warm welcome after the way the summer drama played out, but that might just fire him up to to really want to turn it on. Yeah, I mean the Inter fan base has already announced that they'll have fifty thousand whistles ready. Yeah. Or uh, Lukaku, which, I mean, on some level, I can't entirely blame them. Um, but looking ahead to those matches, I, I did find it kind of funny to hear you being nearly as optimistic as, as I am uh, most of the time looking at these, uh, looking at these matches. Uh, but I do think that there is some cause for, you know, cautious optimism heading into the next month and a half of matches. Uh, I do think that one big question, though, going forward is I think Roma has basically used up its lifeline, so to speak, in yeah. terms of the number of matches that they can draw or lose to smaller sides. Yeah. Uh, put simply, you start as poorly as Roma did and you kind of lose any ability to set to just shrug it off when the next time they lose to a Verona or they tie a Salernitana. You, you've lost your ability to do that if you're actually looking for Champions League football which by all accounts the club is really looking for this season. On the flip side of that, you're right that basically only the Milan clubs and maybe Juve scare me uh, to start this season. I think it'll be interesting to see how Roma plays Inter because despite having a red-hot start to the season, they've lost one and drew one of their last three. Uh, so they, their form is faltering. And I do think it'll be interesting to see for both Milan clubs. They were able to do it reasonably well last season, but do they have the depth and talent to once again play in multiple competitions for an entire season? That does really take a toll on you. And beyond that, going deep in these competitions takes a toll on you. It, it adds on practically another season um, to the tiredness that you have in your legs if you keep on playing deep into these competitions so i think it'll be very interesting to see over the course of the next couple months if roma is able to rack up some wins or at the very least a draw against inter i would not be shocked heading into the christmas break for roma to be comfortably in the european spots uh i wouldn't be shocked things could also still fall off the totally fall off. i i will admit that like I think that a loss to Inter in an embarrassing enough fashion really could make between Halloween and Thanksgiving a painful moment for the club to the point where, you know, someone might get sacked. I hope that the club can avoid that because I've been seeing enough positives and even in some of these matches that Roma didn't win where I'm like, you know, 
I do see a club forming here, a squad forming that can do some real damage. Uh, but that does depend on consistent wins, especially against smaller sides. You win against the smaller sides handily so that you can draw against the big sides and it's not the end of the world. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to see more from players like Renato Sanchez, more from players like Paolo Dybala and Lorenzo Pellegrini uh, in the near future because those three players are three of Roma's most talented players and all three of them have struggled with injury issues. And if we're able to get some decent runtime from all three of them over the course of the next couple months, it makes our life a lot easier when it comes to climbing our way back up the, from mid-table, which is where Roma is precisely at this moment, into top four, top five. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. They've used up their lifeline in those matches against those smaller clubs. You can't afford to drop points to the smaller clubs. You're going to, at times, drop points to the, those bigger clubs and those head-to-heads. But now you have to reduce. You have to minimize the damage against the, the other clubs we're at. You know, the, the other competitors for top four are probably going to pile up the points against, and Rome's going to have to minimize that um, looking forward. So we're going to take a quick ad break here, and then we will be right back to talk about building that squad, as Jimmy referenced. All right, Jim, so you referenced building that squad. A big part of that is the injuries, I think. It's it's limited how well Mourinho can build the squad. When we think about now Paulo Dybala's hurt for the second time this year, we've seen Pellegrini miss two stretches this year. Sanchez missed two stretches. <coughs> Excuse me. Both Smalling and Lorente are out right now. It's it's making it difficult to see all of our best talents on the field at one time, right? You think about if, because from the flashes, from what we've seen from Renato Sanchez, looks really good. Um, Leandro Paredes, uh, I'll give it to him. I, I doubt, I, I was skeptical of that transfer, and he's looked really good so far. He's got three assists on the season in Serie A. He's moving the ball well as kind of like that metronome in the midfield. Um, you know, so he's doing that kind of work. You could let... Bove and, and and other players be like the destroyers. I, I saw a comment on, on the piece I put today by Er Tedesco, and he said, I don't care about Paredes' deficiencies because he's good at the one thing we desperately needed, quick, incisive passing and decision-making from deep. Let others like Bove be the, the midfield destroyers. Um, and then when you can move Cristante up as well, he could be the other destroyer. And it really frees up some of your other midfielders to make those runs and do, do the other thing. So I did want to give Paredes a little shout-out because I... I I was very skeptical. Um, but in the in the squad building, we haven't seen a lot of Pellegrini and Sanchez and Lukaku and Dybala all in the same field at the same time. So hopefully I think health is going to be a big thing toward kind of building that squad, getting the best, you know, um, cohesion between the players and, and really making the most of the talents that Tiago Pinto's brought in. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think that squad cohesion, we've seen time and time again, like as much as making sure you have the best squad possible is a huge step in making sure that a club can compete for high honors. We've also seen, you know, I think PSG is a prime example of this, that simply just throwing money at the problem doesn't solve everything either. And getting players consistent playing time, making sure they blend well together, things like that are key. And I was a little more optimistic about the Paredes deal than you were coming into it, in part because I thought that he was a good complement to the midfielders that we already had. Um, I think of Bove, again, as kind of more of an attack dog type player in, I'm not saying he's anywhere near this in terms of actual ability or anything yet, but like in the style of a Daniela De Rossi, um, I think that he's more of a guy who's going to hunt for things, probably rack up the yellow cards and 
basically make any of any opponent's life living hell instead of making things easy for them. Uh, Paredes, on the other hand, I would say, is more in the lines of a deep line playmaker. And Roma has not had one of those outside of Nemanja Matic, I would say. And even Matic wasn't necessarily in that role specifically uh, for a while. And you can see that having Paredes in that dual pivot in the midfield does wonders for the side's ability to really build out um, attacking plays. Uh, I think that it would be really interesting to see. I'm hopeful that Cristante gets more time uh, actually in midfield because I said this in the last pod and I still stand by it now. In my opinion, he's basically been Roma's best player this season in terms mm-hmm. of form, excluding maybe Romelu Lukaku. Uh, he's been utterly fantastic. And I like to see good form and good play get rewarded in terms of, you know, getting to play in the actual position you're supposed to play in. And everyone knows that uh, Cristante is a servant of the club. He's a guy who I think, if he wasn't as controversial because he doesn't necessarily become a human highlight reel, uh, would be recognized, you know, just in terms of his longevity at the club now. And would, as one of like the biggest names in the past six or seven years consistently for the club. He's been in the starting 11 practically since he joined. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a lot to like about the midfield moving forward. I think that we'll, it'll be interesting to see what players get more chances uh, going forward. One thing that I've been talking to you about, uh, both in the podcast and outside of the podcast, is... I still don't really know where Nikola Zalewski went off to. Uh, yeah. I, which was, is very surprising to me considering the level of appreciation he's received from Reno individually in the past and also from his Polish national team setup. And they're not slouches either. So it's not like, I, I don't really know what's happening with Zalewski right now. Uh, my hope is that it's maybe something similar just along the lines of Indica where his time will come. In fact, I'd probably bet on that just because... He's a talented guy. We, there's no question of his talent level. And also, I think there's probably an element of, I have Leonardo Spinazzola. He's playing well right now. I don't want to stop him or I don't want to not play him and get him out of form or I don't want him to get injured and things like that. So that's the internal logic I could see there, uh, that Spinazzola is kind of the hot hand at the moment. Uh We'll see uh, who else gets chances. Uh, I think it's important for us to note that uh, Roma gave a start to a new Primavera player uh, in the Cagliari match. Uh, And it was really touching to see Mourinho give his post-match interview and then basically tell the story of the player um, and how, you know, you know, I think that one of the things that's kind of underrated about, uh, about this club under Mourinho is that we have given a lot of chances to younger players. Um, And that's exciting. So I'm hoping to see more of that. And I'm also hoping to see the players who, you know, have already kind of cemented themselves as part of the senior team continue to get chances. And Zalewski is definitely the top of that list. Yeah, very, very surprising to me that Zalewski didn't even get in yesterday off the bench in what was a 4 nothing match for most of the second half that you wouldn't maybe, you know, maybe if it was an international break coming up, maybe then you spell Spinazzola. Um, 
maybe then he comes out of the match and maybe they're just, you know, trying to get the best out of him, like you said, maybe because he's in pretty good form right now. Um, certainly interesting. Um, and I just want to correct scratcher. myself that it was, it was, it was in the Europa League match, yeah. not the, uh, not the match against Cagliari that Francesco D'Alessio, uh, came in and, uh, came in for fifth, the final 15 minutes of the match. I was surprised that he came in out of everyone because coming into the season, this was not a guy that I'd been hearing about at all. I don't um, think we even had him in our top 10, right? No, he was not in our top 10. And I would have thought that someone along the lines of, you know, Ricardo Pagano or Nicolo Pisili, if we're talking about midfield, for example, would have gotten uh, the chance first. Uh, I thought it was quite interesting that this guy um, became Roma's 10th player under Mourinho to be a Primavera player who kind of graduates to the senior side because I, quite frankly, had not heard of him. Yeah, well, P- Pagano's gotten his chances. He's actually, um, I think, also played in that match 33 minutes, and he's gotten four appearances now for 51 minutes in Serie A. So it's good to see that Pagano's still getting that this time. Um, maybe one of the small things we could take solace in with some of the injuries in the midfield is that Pagano gets a few minutes here and there. D'Alessio gets a couple minutes just to make that debut and keep keep moving players through the Primavera into the to the senior side and at least getting a taste of it. Um I agree that it's one of the more underrated aspects of Mourinho's managerial tenure in Rome is that he is bringing quite a few players through the youth ranks, giving them a chance. And, and, you know, it's not something he's been known for maybe because in other clubs he's had bigger budgets to spend. And, you know, when you're managing Real Madrid, you don't need to bring in youth players so often. You have a lot of, a lot of money um, to bring in the stars. Same thing with Chelsea and, and Spurs and United and even Inter to an extent when he was there. And this is, he's talked about it. You know, it's a different, different aspect here from a financial standpoint, from a team building standpoint than he's used to. Um, but I think he's done a pretty good job bringing the youth through. And Pagano's one that we had in, in our top 10. I think he was rated fourth in, in our countdown. So it's good to see him getting minutes. And I think, um, you know, even if he plays just a little bit this year and then he's loaned out next year, just to get those feet wet and, and get that taste for being part of Roma, I think is going to be a good thing in the end. And I think in the long run, even after Mourinho's gone, I think people are going to look back and say, you know, Mourinho did a pretty good job of helping, you know, feed this the, these youth players into the senior squad and, and creating kind of a pipeline. I mean, looking back at our top 10 from the summer, I just pulled up because I was thinking about it with when we had, uh, you know, Pagano came up and Eduardo Bove's one still, and, and rightly so. Zalewski was two. Um, Julian John Guerrero, who came from the, the Real Madrid youth system, um in the summer we haven't seen him yet but he's three and then it was pagano four Fadicanti, don't know what's going on there with him um you know that was that was an interesting summer that he had then it's kumbulas vilar pizili who's been on the bench a bunch of times uh kermitisis and uh misitano so we'll see if any of those other guys crack into uh the senior squad this year but Mourinho's he's been bringing him through Yeah, exactly. And I think that's encouraging, especially as you said, with Roma's finances. He has had a history, like sometimes players have gotten chances under him, like I mentioned, United or, or Tottenham Hotspur, like they have gotten chances. Uh, but comparatively speaking, of course, Roma does not have the finances of even a Tottenham. Uh, so there is an imp- it's imperative for him to try to find diamonds in the rough when he can. Yeah, for sure. I'm just double checking to see if Fadi Conti's gotten any minutes, and he has not gotten minutes yet for uh, for Lecce, where he is loaned out to from Roma. So that's interesting. So he made that. Was move he loaned? He... I thought he was. 
straight up. Or was it or was it a sale with a buyback clause or a future? Yeah, I think one it of was those a things. sale with it was it was I think very similar to the Jewel and John Guerrero deal mm-hmm. that we brought in, where it was a sale for like a surprisingly low price, but with like a fifty percent future fee. Uh yeah. Thing which is like I think that's you know it's it's the thinking man's uh, co ownership. Yeah, <laughs> you know, basically, that, that, right? Walter Sabatini used to love. Um, yeah. Which I uh, honestly, I, I can't complain too much about that. Uh, and I think that we need to do more things like that to make sure that players get a chance uh, when when they go out. And that's basically what Roma did with uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini, in fact. Uh, yeah. They practically loaned him out to Sassuolo for two seasons, even if that wasn't actually what it said on the books. Yeah. Um, they, they had to yeah. pay for it, but it was like a paid loan, basically, where we're, yeah. we're paying you to develop our player almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a permanent deal um, with a five-year contract, one million fee and thirty-five percent sell-on clause in favor of Roma. So yet to make an appearance for Lecce, so something we'll have to keep an eye on since Roma does have a stake in his future, uh, yeah. nonetheless, um, because he is he was highly rated. Even the Guardian had him in their top sixty yeah. players born in two thousand four. So um, want to keep an eye. On a little side note: we get we we kind of went off track a little bit there, but it, <laughs> always always good to keep up with the young player. So um, international break. Dybala, we were hoping he's at, I mean, I saw around, a, it could be up to a month, which might put him around the Lecce match. If he's not back for Lecce, the next match after that is Lazio in the Derby. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be nice to get him some minutes before the Derby because you're going to want him available, but we'll see. We don't want to rush him. Um, and I think if Lukaku and Belotti stay hot, I think there's no need to rush him back. But um, definitely, you know, we're hoping to get Small and Garlorente back over the break. Pellegrini, um, I think Mancini and Cristante were the only two called up by Spalletti, right, for Italy, as far as I know? Yes, um, and he talked about Spinazzola not being called up and was like, yeah, I called him and said he's not coming. And he's like, for me, it's it has been my life to make others reconsider me, so I will try even harder. Um, so I guess I guess he's taken that as an incentive to push even harder to try to get himself back into the uh, Italy setup. Uh, and I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, Pellegrini will be will be back yeah. in, set up in no time. He's he's practically a talisman at this point for this this incarnation of the Italian national team. Yeah. Um, so we're I, I guess at this point, all we can hope is that this international break, we get a couple Azuri wins toward Euro 2024, and we get some healthy Roma players. Yeah, uh, that's that's about it. Uh, though I, I, yeah, I mean, it's funny. These international breaks in like October, there's not very much to talk about. No, because, no. Because the matches, you know, I mean, I'll pay attention a little bit, I guess, but they're not even that impactful in terms of uh, who goes to the World Cup or the Euros or whatever. It's just like, okay, they're playing some matches um, and they're not playing at the club. And there's not really much of a chance to be talking about transfer rumors yet either because, you know, I've seen snippets here and there of like, oh, Marcos Leonardo, he's got a pre-agreement with the club. Or does he? And like the, the the papers seem to alternate every week between saying that we have a pre agreement with um, Santos and saying that we don't. And the Bundesliga clubs or Manchester United are sniffing around. And my my guess is that the truth is closer to we do have a pre agreement. Yeah, I just um, hope there's no more Mourinho sacking rumors over the break, anything like that. I think I'm hoping yeah. that the three wins in a row kind of cool those flames a bit, and and we can kind of just focus on moving forward yeah. and, and piling up some points moving forward. Because I'll just be honest, like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills whenever anyone suggests sacking a coach mid-season because when has that ever helped the club 
actually do better for the rest of the season. Like I cannot yeah, think of an you'll example. You get the new manager where, bounce for a couple matches, and then yeah, you, and then get, you get like a month where you're like, oh, hey, yeah. it's looking good, and then it just circles back to the norm because it turns out that the problem is usually at least a little bit the players, mm-hmm. just as much as the manager. Yeah. Um, but you know, we'll see how the next month or two goes, uh, and then we'll hopefully be able to talk about Rome in a more positive light moving forward. Agreed. So we'll leave it there. Um, next week's international break, and then we'll be back on the pitch against Monza, bright and early for those of you in the the U.S. like Jimmy and I on uh, oh, was it, uh, the twenty whatever the the twenty whatever that is uh, when when they yeah. come back in two weeks. So I think the twenty second. So we'll uh, we'll try to keep busy on the site as much as we can. These international breaks are tough, but we thank you for listening, and we'll catch you guys again soon.